Hello, let's do this. We got we're, it's game week. Yeah, eleven Dubcast game week. We're back, second week back into the season. Let's do it. I'm excited. I'm John Aginner. I'm Michael Citro, and I'm pumped. Are you pumped? Are I'm you psyched. super pumped? Are you like currently like chugging a five hour energy drink in one hand, and then like a Red Bull in another one, and like smashing both the cans on your hand or in your head, and like throwing them at a trash can that explodes? No, that's that's what I'm. That's Carrie Combs. That's you're thinking of Carrie Combs. That's not me. That's that, well, that's 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 what he puts on his breakfast cereal <laughs> in the morning. Like, that's that's pretty par for the course for that dude. I'm generally a pretty lethargic man, so I don't know that that's. I'm just excited. I'm just an excited guy right now because, honest to God, football we played. And don't try to tell me that the FBS, the single FBS game that was played last weekend is college football. I know they're in college, and I know it's football, but it's not college football. So I FCS, can't get it. FCS, wasn't it? Yes. Yeah, it was FCS. Yeah, yeah I'm, I don't really consider it, um, until you get the Division One schools going, I don't really consider it necessarily college football season. Yeah. Yes, technically there was a game played in a college and maybe there was some NAIA, NAIA schools played maybe two weeks ago. Who knows? But I'm looking, <laughs> no I'm looking, I'm looking for Buckeye football. Is what I'm looking for is Buckeye football. It's been too long since yeah. we we the last we saw our boys. They were you know they were raising the trophy, you know having the having the wrong colored confetti rain down on them. Uh, it's gold. I know it's college football playoff colored confetti. I think they should have had cannons loaded up with both teams, uh, and then you know we could add scarlet and gray confetti, and it would have been really awesome. But um, that would have been cool. Um, I gotta tell you though, like I just you know I'm not gonna dwell on the past. The past is past. The present, yeah, is the present. And I just I want to talk about Ohio State football 2015 2016. I want to get into the nitty gritty. We don't we don't have a ton of time today. We we've got to get through this relatively quickly. But yeah. I do want to talk about some football because we've been accused of the past of not talking about football on this football podcast. Um, <laughs> so let's talk about football. And I want to start off with something that kind of seems to be coming to a head, right? Especially on a Tuesday night at nine o four p.m. I think the quarterback situation seems to be mostly settled. So if we're going to start talking about the team, uh, which I want to do, I want to kind of focus on the offense and defense, some guys that we think are going to be breakout players, et cetera, and Mm -hmm. kind of look at the schedule a little bit. I want to start with the most obvious position, which is the quarterback position. I don't know. I mean, I, I personally have been on team Urban Meyer can't make a decision and he's just going to play them both, but I think I'm going to have to acquiesce and, and bow out, in favor of JT Barrett is the dude. Yes, I knew you would come over to my side. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I'm like, you know, because, like, it's not just the fact that it makes sense to have one guy playing. Um, it's also the fact that there's been some kind of background noise, I guess, to JT starting. And then if you look at the statistics, it's really hard to deny what he did last season. And, and his leadership, all the intangibles – I'm gonna, you know, I'm just throwing it to you, man. Like I, I am on your side with this yeah. one. I think at this point. Well, for me, the biggest thing has always been that JT can run Urban's entire offense, and Cardell yeah. Jones can only run a, a good chunk of it. I, I think that that is what it really kind of boils down to. And and JT is such a smooth operator. He, he just he's a calm, cool dude. You know, Urban likes a guy who can lead and who is just a born leader. We heard him say on Scarlet and Gray days that. That uh, which is a fine program, by the way, that JT is just a born leader. And he said he thinks right. he thinks Cardale's kind of a, that too, but with JT, you just get it. With Cardale, they kind of had to drag it out of him. And, yeah, and, I, and Urban, I don't think, is a guy who wants to wait around for someone to develop leadership skills, you know? So, especially the quarterback position, right? Yeah, so I, I think JT's his, his biggest asset is he's probably the better leader of the two, and he can give you that entire playbook. And I think that really is a, a, you know, a deciding factor in this race because both guys clearly have a lot of talent. Okay, well, so I think that's, again, I'm on the same page with you on that, and I think that's going to be a really interesting, I don't know, it's going to be an interesting debate that will continue to go through the season, especially if JT Barrett happens to have some like sophomore year growing pains, you know what I mean, which is definitely not unheard of. Well, and he's college starting off world. the year against Virginia Tech, a team that he didn't uh, fare very well against last year. So, right. um, And I still think we'll see Cardale in 
every game just about. I think we'll see Cardale at some point. Yeah, I agree with that. And honestly, like, it's hard. I don't know. It's just hard for me not to imagine them throwing a guy a bone who won them a national championship. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, even if he's not the nominal starter, I mean, yeah, they came out with the death chart, which was exactly what everyone thought it would be. Or... Both of them folded. <laughs> And then or in between them. And by the way, Cardinal Jones was listed first on that, which means nothing. Uh, <laughs> God, depth chart. I got to tell you something. We used to do a big piece on 11 Warriors about the depth chart. What a dumb idea that was. The depth chart means nothing on a week-to-week basis. It is probably the most misleading, counterfactual piece of information that uh, sports teams put out there. Or like, it's basically a list of people who are on the team, more or less. Or right? it's the greatest most telling thing there is in college sure. football. Okay. Uh, one of those. <laughs> well, let's talk about the rest of the offense a little bit. Okay. I mean, we, we expect them to be really, really good, and I don't really need to rehash that. We've been talking about that forever. You know about Ezekiel. You know about Braxton Miller moving to H-back and Curtis Samuel and Jalen Marshall. and blah, blah, blah. We all know about these guys. Let's be pessimistic for a second. Where do you think might be an area of weakness on the offense? Is there an area of weakness on the offense? I see two areas of weakness uh, and a third potential area of weakness. Okay, well, let's let's hear them because I might agree with you. The on first a area of weakness I see is we don't know what we're getting in right tackle at Chase Ferris. Yeah. Uh, okay. I, I think that he'll be okay, but the last couple seasons uh, when Ed Warner has had to, to plug in a new right tackle – they haven't fared well at the beginning, but they've got it together by the end of the season. I think back to Reed Fragel yeah. and I think to, to even to Taylor Decker. Um, yeah, I, I think offensive line depth in general might be something to, to look I'm, at. I'm really know? excited, though, about some of these young kids, Isaiah Prince and guys like that. I think they can really, really ball. So I'm really happy uh, that, that we're starting to see some of that depth develop. It's, it's young and it's untested, but um, I think there is some depth there that we haven't had in, in recent seasons. Well, you know, I guess it comes down to, like, is is Warner, like, really a miracle worker? And, and I, you know, I tend to think that He's he is. He's a slob but... whisperer, man. <laughs> right. Uh, I just I just hope that continues, and that's yeah. something that I'm a little worried about. I'm sorry, let me interrupt. No, no, okay, so secondary weakness I see is, especially for game one, wide receiver depth. Um, yeah, you, and that's yeah, that's a great point. Devin too. Smith is a big loss, and I think he's a bigger loss than people realize. And I think another loss is Evan Spencer, that he's a, a very underrated guy because he does all the little dirty things that uh, don't get glorified. But I think that's going to be uh, a key to replacing uh, Evan Spencer. It's going to re- really be hard to replace him. And especially in week one without Corey Smith, Jalen Marshall, and Andre Wilson, and of course Noah Brown injured out for the year. Uh, right. So, yeah, so that's... yeah, first first week especially, but I think wide receiver depth is a little bit of an issue. And then the third potential uh, problem I see, area I see is right now, you know, you got Ezekiel Elliott, uh, you got Bryante Dunn is the backup, and Mike Weber will eventually be back from his meniscus uh, tear or surgery, and then he'll provide some depth. But I, I see some depth issues. If you lose a running back or two, I see some issues with depth at the running back position. Yeah, so if we have an angry like Ohio State running back hitting God suddenly rear his head, could be in some some trouble at some point. Um, all right, well I'm I'm with you on those. I still think Ohio State is going to be just a beast on offense. I mean, one of the, uh, redundancy is one of the things that I emphasize over the course of the summer, and I still think that that's basically it. Like the suspensions hurt a little bit, but I just think the fact that they have guys who could take over a game, like they have several guys who could just take over a game mm-hmm. by themselves and have done in the past, I think still makes them incredibly dangerous. I'm not saying you're saying they're not, mm-hmm. but yeah, I'm really I interested believe... to see what Braxton does as an H back. I'm really, really interested to see how good he is. Even the comments that urban made recently, right? Where he said he's basically there as a wide receiver, which for urban to give that kind of praise, like I, I gotta believe there's something to that. Uh, we and, haven't I, and I really heard that kind of talk since he was talking up Dontre Wilson as a freshman. Well, <laughs> right, and that <laughs> clearly panned out really well. Um, yeah, I don't know. Maybe Braxton won't won't do as well as we would hope. But I, I can't. Braxton Miller, we've we've seen what he can do athletically, mm-hmm. and if that translates at all to another position, I think he's going to be pretty effective. Let's talk about the defense a little bit. We don't have to yep. go into extreme detail, but one of the things that I was curious about to get your opinion on was what's going to happen with the corners when you lose a guy who I believe was probably the most underrated uh, defensive player, maybe in the past like five or six years, like uh, Doran Grant. I mean, there, 
the luxury that you have to just put a dude on another dude and like be able to negate the other team's best wide receiver, which I mean, he didn't completely shut down Amari Cooper, but uh, pretty darn near close. Like that's, that's the guy that you can really rely on in a pinch. And if you don't have a dude who's that consistent and that impressive on a regular basis, that can really hurt you in some games. And that's one of the things, like, again, I'm, I'm just looking for holes in a team that's been hyped to hell and back. So mm-hmm. I don't know that it's necessarily an honest appraisal of, like, all their weaknesses, but I'm, I'm just curious about how you think they're going to deal with that. Well, I, I agree with you about Duran Grant. In fact, you know, when Tim did the roundtable, that was my answer for the, the who's lost of the graduating season. Yeah, would, and I would think be that's a really fair answer. Uh, I think Grant was a guy who, who you, you like you said, you didn't have to worry about. He, he was going to take care of his guy. And the guy might make a couple of plays, but he wasn't going to make a, a whole bunch of giant plays. Amari Cooper made seriously huge game-changing plays all season long until the Ohio State game. Um, right. Yeah, he scored two touchdowns. I think he had about 70 yards receiving, which is it, it's good, but it's not Amari Cooper good. And he didn't take no, one of those. Especially uh, not in a game of that magnitude. Yeah, and he didn't take something like a swing pass at the twenty-five yard line, and go to the house like he does, you know, basically every week. So, uh, Grant and uh, you know Eli Apple came a long way last year, uh, but now it's going to be Gary and Conley's turn to come a long way because it's always like that first year starting the cornerback has that growing period, and Duran Grant even had it when he was with Roby. Uh, he had that period where he, you know, we weren't too sure what we were getting with Duran Grant. We weren't too sure how good he was. But then when Roby left, he showed how good he was. Uh, so I think that um, th- that's certainly a, an area that I'm going to be watching pretty carefully in the early games is, is the cornerback position. And then the other one is, is of course, the defensive line. Can Tommy Shut uh, step in at nose tackle and, and do the job that we've, you know, we've heard all about how improved he was. Uh, can he stay healthy and can he plug the holes and let Adolphus Washington go play in the backfield? See, that's the thing. I mean, Ohio State's defense really is predicated on a man defense, right? Like, not just in the secondary, but also, like, asking guys to drop back in coverage from the defensive line, things like that. Like, those are the kind of things that you really have to trust your defense to be able to do. And, you know... Given the quality of the defensive coaching right now, I'm not particularly concerned with their ability to get that done. I I think that's definitely something that's going to be able to be accomplished. The question that I have for you now is, and and this is especially important going into this week, are they going to have enough to uh, survive a potential scare against Virginia Tech? Now, I would be inclined to say they are way more talented than Virginia Tech, and I don't know that this is going to be that close of a game, but I don't know. I don't know where your head's at on this right now. I'm, you know, I'm always the, the, the worry wart. You know, I'm always the guy who's, yeah. who's like, oh, crap. <laughs> Look, well, I'm the dude who predicted a loss last I year, know, right? Like, I, I have all kinds of heat for that. So, I mean, I'm the kind of guy who's like, I don't even feel good when we have a three-touchdown lead against Indiana. It's like, sure. it's got to be more. It's got to be more. Um, right. You know, but in fact, you know, that Oregon game, there were four minutes left, and I still thought that Oregon had a chance to oh, win this game. Um, that was terrible. <laughs> Are you kidding me? I until it got down to a minute left, I thought there was still a chance that Oregon was going to make a comeback. Yeah, I think it was the fourth down. It was the fourth down where Oregon failed on fourth down with like two and a half minutes to play. Then I went, oh, I think we got this. You know? <laughs> um, yeah. Sure. You have a two-score lead in the ball inside the 15. I think I think you're okay. Um, you might. But, yeah, I, I'm. this is going to be a war. I, I think it's going to be a war. I think it's going to be a very, very difficult game because this is like – it's like going to Penn State. When going to Lane Stadium is like going to Penn State, which is a very difficult place to play. It's loud. It's intimidating. It's um, you know even for the most veteran teams, it's it's not an easy place to go. Uh, so I think that's a huge advantage for the Hokies. I also think that they're very athletic on defense, and they're going to try to take away the run. And you yeah. know it, it really depends on. Last year, I thought there were some things that maybe we would have done differently if we got them later in the year. I think we would have done more power running against them. Um, well, they would have had the ability to do that, right? That. I mean, the, the yeah. offensive line really matured a lot, especially in terms of, of run blocking when it came to that. And then sometimes I think also it takes a while for a running back and an offensive line to kind of get the rhythm going, and I, they yeah. obviously had none of that mm-hmm. against Virginia Tech. So I agree with you on that. 100%. And the defenses always start the season a little bit ahead of the offenses. So I think that that yeah. that is certainly something that I think favors – Virginia Tech because Ohio State has a very dynamic offense. So if they can't quite, you know, get into a rhythm or or, or you know gel properly in the first game, I mean they they could struggle. But 
I think certainly the talent discrepancy is there, and if, if Ohio State plays angry and plays with the motivation that I think they'll play with because of the, the being the one blemish on their record last year, um, I think that they can come out and prevail. But I, I do expect a very tough game, and I think we're all going to be still worried about it in the fourth quarter. I, I'm, I, I am not as pessimistic. I, I think it's going to be tough. I think it'll be tough for about a half, and then I think Ohio State's going to pull away. Um, yeah, I just think, you know, this feels like a really confident team, but not an arrogant team in any way. I mean, they really do seem like a bunch of guys who they're, they're about their business. You know what I mean? Like, they, they have good leadership in general, I think, especially with JT Barrett in the locker room. Like, I just think that this is a team that's going to go in – it's a revenge game. It's probably going to be rough at the beginning just because it's at Virginia Tech, but I, I think they're going to they're going to make a statement in the second half and hopefully, you know, hopefully you'll see like Braxton Miller like really kind of emerge in a way that we haven't seen in a long time. So I think that should be interesting. Um all right, so I think I think we're both we're both I, I would say we're predicting a win. Is that is that true, Michael? What do you think they're gonna pull out a win? I think Ohio State. Are you afraid of a loss? Are you afraid of a loss, Michael Citro? I'm not afraid of a loss, and here's why. Because I don't think the loss will hurt us in the long run because I think we'll run the table the rest of the way. <laughs> and still go to the think college. It might happen? I think it's possible. I mean yeah. if you if they turn the ball over or or let Virginia Tech hang around because of, you know, having to kick field goals or something, I think that they're capable sure. of winning the game because Virginia Tech, for all the stupid things they do in the ACC and for all the stupid losses they have over the years, they have been very, very adept at beating very good teams at home. Wow. I just, I, you know, I, I can't imagine the kind of person who would predict a loss against Virginia Tech. That's really just Yeah, I'm sure you can. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right, so that's those are our thoughts on this. Let's, let's do a little Ask Us Anything. Let's get into this because we got some time here. Okay. Uh, let's, get, let's motor through these questions real quick. All right, all right. Uh, Michael, can you tell us how we can – get asked anything by people? Yes. People can ask us anything on the Twitters. Uh, I think that's what the kids are calling it. The Twitters. Uh, they're not. Are, okay. <laughs> they're not. We're, we're, uh, <laughs> our handle is at 11 dubcast, spell it all out. E L E V E N D U B C A S T. Put the little at symbol in front of it. And then, then you can just send us uh, the question right there. Or you can email us the old fashioned way. The way your grandfather would ask us anything. Uh, <laughs> right. Uh, hand internet that's machine. Right. Dubcast at 11warriors.com is how you reach us that way. Nice. All right, Michael. So what questions do we have this week? All right. Let's start with our good friend, Kurt Heinrichs, who uh, yeah. is our, he's our wrestling guy. He's our wrestling writer, wrestling correspondent. He is, and he's very good at that. And we've had got him on to before. cover a national championship this year. That's right. He's got to cover. We cover the championships and, and Logan Steber and all that. So he asks Johnny, "What's the best debut album of all time?" And if you say Led Zeppelin IV, that is incorrect. Well, it is incorrect because Led Zeppelin IV was not their debut album. That's true. It was, I think uh, their fourth album, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Well, actually, it wasn't even their fourth album. It might have been like their fifth. Um, I think House of the Holy might have come before Led Zeppelin IV. I don't remember. Um, anyway, best debut album of all time. Um, that's that's tough. There's been some really like kick-ass debut albums. I'm trying to think if there's one that like really like destroyed my mind back in the day. I mean, I'm not that old, but I'm trying to think if there was. I don't know, Michael. What what, what do you think on this? I'm I'm really I'm kind of drawing a blank. Here. Well, there's two that really stand out for me. Uh, I'm a child of the '80s, so right. my one of my favorite albums of all time is the debut album from Asia. I think okay. Asia's first album is fantastic, and I don't get why it's a joke that uh, the 40-year-old virgin had a poster of Asia on his uh, wall. I don't get it at all. I don't think it's funny. No, you don't. Um, you don't. But yes, super group made up of you know people from Emerson, Lake, and Palmer, yes, and uh, King Crimson. I think uh, Asia did a fantastic job on their debut. The other one that sticks out for me is the Counting, uh, Counting Crows. They had a very, very good debut. Oh, album. yeah. So um, August and Everything After, I think, is, uh, is a fantastic album. So... For me, those two stand out. Uh, you come up with anything, or are you still drawing a blank? I don't. I mean, see, the thing is, a lot of the bands that I really like, they they took a while to get in gear. You know what yeah. I mean? Like a lot of bands. I don't know. I'm trying to think. There's a couple. Like for uh, for example, like um, Jane's Addiction, right? Like I'm a big fan of Jane's Addiction. I'm not like a huge fan, but their classic album didn't come until several years into their 
into their like band life or whatever. And like it's the same with a lot of the other guys. Like you think about ACDC or even a lot of rap. I would have to say, you know what? I take that back. There's actually a pretty obvious answer to that. It's Illmatic. It's Nas, and and that's it. It's Illmatic. It's his first album is probably the greatest rap album of all time, and I think that probably that I think that should end the conversation. I'm gonna have to Who? go with Nas. Who? Nas. Illmatic. What? Nas. What? Who? Dude, What's listen. That? Yeah, I know. You need to listen to it. I understand you want to listen to like. 80s butt rock, and you can do that, and that's fine, but I'm just telling you, dude, like, Illmatic is some scary, sad stuff, and it's it's intense. It is a great, amazing album. Um, I, I'm not even joking. Like, in terms of albums, period, it's up there with Pet Sounds. It's it's legit. Um, you should listen to it. Yeah, I, I'm going to go with that one. There you go. Uh, what's the next one? What's it? We got, uh, we got, we got a motor. The, what's I, the know, I know, Let's I know, I know. Okay, Jeff Sabota asks... What, yes. what is Johnny's spirit animal? Okay. Uh, actually, Michael, what do you think my spirit animal should be? It's a dog. Oh, what? It's a dog? What kind of... So if I'm I'm in the Harry Potter world, right, and I got a Patronus charm that I got to cast, what, what animal form would that take, do you think? A dog? Oh, God. Nerd alert. Um, <laughs> yes. Yes. You're a dog. It's a dog. Everything what kind is a of dog? dog? Everything about you is a what dog. Kind of dog? Um, what kind of dog? I'm, I'm just going to say a mutt. Just a good old... A mutt? Big-hearted, happy, tail-wagging mutt. That's pretty That's pretty fair. Uh, one time I told Jeff... I actually told old Jeff Savota that my spirit animal was um, the Northwestern Wildcats, which <laughs> is actually really, really true. Like, that's... The, I don't know why I thought about that one day, but if you just encapsulate everything about Northwestern football into a human being, that's pretty much me. Um... But maybe, like, I don't know. My spirit animal might also be, like, seasons, like, three through seven of The Simpsons. Mm. <laughs> okay. I think that might also be my spirit animal, so we'll see. Jeff didn't ask, uh, what, my, he didn't, Jeff didn't ask what my spirit animal was, but I'm going to tell him Well, anyway. he should have. And I'm my, curious, what do you think my, my spirit animal would be? My spirit animal is Steve Spurrier. <laughs> That's not a bad spirit animal to have. I think that would be pretty good. Just hating ass well, well. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, that's a good one. I like that. All, All right. right. Well, so what's next? Jeff okay. Halfley asks, how would Craig Krenzel do leading the 2014-2015 Buckeyes? He is like oh, he is like a Tebow, right? So he would be okay? <laughs> he would never play. He wouldn't be quarterback. <laughs> you get me? Urban yeah. Meyer wouldn't let that dude see the field for like five seconds. Like that would like as much as I love Craig Krenzel's one of my all-time favorite Ohio State football players. Not I, like and, and no exaggeration. Like I loved loved watching him play and his style of of football. Mm-hmm. But holy crap, Urban Meyer probably has like he probably wakes up screaming to footage of some of Craig Krenzel's like quarterbacking. Like it is some of it's pretty brutal. Now it was perfect for what Jim Tressel wanted to do, right? But oh my god, yeah. Urban Meyer would not enjoy Craig Krenzel uh, as his quarterback. Yeah, I have a hard time seeing him crack the lineup. Now, if somehow he had to be in charge of this team and this offense, yeah. I think he'd do all right. I think he'd do all right. I think he'd be fine. You know what? I bet he could do the read option a little bit. I think it'd be all right. He could run a little bit. Craig could. Yeah. He could. Uh, and, so, and in fact, yeah. he was the leading rusher in that national championship game. So He was, and that's because we couldn't run the freaking football. Um, <laughs> that's true. Justin but neither could they. <laughs> Justin Peterson wants to know, how do you think – the falling Chinese economy will affect the Buckeyes' chance at repeating. <laughs> uh, well, since the China National, like, I don't want to call it bank, but whatever their banking committee is, doesn't really reveal anything about what they're about to do. They're, they're very secretive. They don't like to, they're not like the Fed, right, where the Fed, like, sends out these little hints and feelers, like, hey, might raise interest rates, blah, blah. Uh, China National Bank doesn't do any of that. They just, they keep everything on the DL. Let me interrupt um, you. Let me interrupt you. Not at all. Good. Not at all. It will not. <laughs> falling Chinese economy will not affect the Buckeyes' chances at all. Thank you for asking, though. All right. Fair enough. <laughs> that's where I was going, but whatever. Okay. That's my, that's my, uh, got to the point. Email. Uh, Mark Roberts sent us uh, an email, and he wants to know which play from last year's amazing championship run do you think is underappreciated? Everyone knows about the Zeke streak and the other highlight film plays, but there are other hidden plays. Which without that's a very good question. Yeah, it's a great, um, great question. He's taking the Spencer recovering the onside kick, by the way, at, against Alabama. 
That's really good. You know what? I actually so we recorded the interview earlier uh, before this segment, yes. and I want to say that our interview guest, who I'm going to keep a secret until like another couple seconds here, um, <laughs> brought up a great play in the national championship game where Darren Lee blew up uh, a defend or blew up one of the uh, tight ends, I believe on Oregon uh, and stopped them on fourth down, which was an unbelievable play and might have like completely sealed momentum for Ohio State. I think that was an unbelievable defensive play, and I think that should be really high up there. Uh, I'm taking Eli Apple pushing the the tight end out of the back Ooh, of the, yeah. uh, out of the back of the end zone before he came down with the ball, and uh, therefore you know protecting the lead um, late or in the third quarter of that game. I, uh, that might actually qualify as a highlight film play, but that's to me. I don't think that one gets enough love. Yeah, so, I, that's a great choice. Uh, okay, when do you have to change your cell phone wallpaper, iPad wallpaper, laptop wallpaper from National Championship logo and move on to this year and this season? Has the statute of limitations expired on the 2014 championship stuff on your digital devices, Johnny? Uh, yeah, yes, it has. It's game week. you got to take it off, dude. It's done. It's over. Sorry. Okay. Yeah, that's my answer. It's over. Yeah. Statute, it's It's done. For me, it's it's still my my wallpaper on my PC, but my I don't change stuff very often. My phone is still um, Zach Boren standing over a prone Devin Gardner. Nice. So. My my uh, my wallpaper on my computer is a very high resolution picture of a pizza. So. Oh, cool. <laughs> All right. Delicious. So. Last question for Mark in Dallas. Somewhere at some time during this season, we're going to struggle against someone who isn't that good. It's going to happen. We'll get the big lead or be tired from a big game or just be apathetic about some weak and lame team. I'm looking at you, Illinois. So what do you think is – who do you think is going to do it? Who will give the Bucks a scare this year? Oh, God. Uh, well, Hawaii, obviously, right? Like <laughs> the Rainbow Warriors are going to come in. No, I don't know. Um, it's – you want you don't want to pick somebody like super obvious, right? Like you don't want to be like, oh, we don't we don't take uh, Illinois seriously or whatever. We don't take Rutgers seriously. I just Indiana looked decent for against Ohio State for about a half. Mm-hmm. Um, I I mean that's that's about it. But they're losing a lot. They don't have Tevin Coleman. I don't know. I don't know. If there's really yeah. any teams that are going to sneak up on Ohio State this year. There's definitely going to be some difficult games. I'm not saying that, but. I don't think there's going to be any team that's going to be like, gotcha, should have respected the Terrapins, suckers. Like, I don't, I don't, I'm not real afraid of that. <laughs> uh, I think, uh, you know, if I were to pick a team that we might uh, come out and be sluggish against that, it, that might make us look bad for a while, it might be Rutgers. Uh, it might be, it might be Indiana. Indiana actually has a pretty good offense. So in years past, at least I mean, like, under Kevin Wilson. Yeah. So, you know, those are the two I just don't want to see that happen. I just want to see them blow them up. But um, those would be the ones that I, I would say. All right. Well, one is more that guy. It? We, we got we one more. We got one more guy. We got John Hulslander, who has two quick questions. Uh, he wants to know, since you have a six-year-old, at what age would you bring your child to a game that's directed at me, obviously? Uh, I would <laughs> say um, – I would take her to the game when she could sit through a game at home without, you know, without fidgeting and getting up and going and doing something else, because that's the main problem with children is getting them to focus for the amount of time. Even she's not at that nearly at that point. I can't even take her to the movies and keep her her involved in the movie for the full two hours yet. So um, (laughs) so it's a process. I don't know what that age is yet, but I haven't hit it. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) What what age would you take a child, uh, Johnny, to a game? Uh, depends on how much they like football. I think you know what I mean. Like it depends on how invested they were in like uh, in the game itself. They're like all about football. I don't know, maybe seven or eight, something like that. Yeah, but yeah, if they weren't great. like if they were just kind of a casual fan, probably not until they were like eleven or twelve. Honestly, yeah, that, that's fair. You know, Kaylee's great. When I tell her putting the Buckeyes on, she gets all excited, and then after kickoff, oh, it kind of wanders off. <laughs> like, okay, they, they've kicked <laughs> well, the ball off. Clearly, I've had enough of this game. Uh, right. So, they, uh, John has one other question. Food football question. What is your favorite road game trip food-wise in the Big Ten? Oh, God. I don't know. I'm, you know what? I've never gone on a road game in the Big Ten, and I feel really bad about that. So, I'm going to have to defer to you on that one. Uh, I think there's there's advantages everywhere. I haven't been to all the, all of the places, but I, 
here's one. I'll just throw this one out just to just to answer the question. Is you can't go wrong with the Indiana uh, pork tenderloin sandwich. So uh, Indiana and Purdue, although I would prefer Indiana because West Lafayette is a vast wasteland inhabited by only zombies that will eat your flesh. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's awful. Uh, it's so bad. <laughs> so yeah, I would say the I, I like that, and uh, there's great food in Wisconsin, obviously, and. Um, uh, you know, you can get fat no matter where you are in the big, I think is what we've come to find out. <laughs> nice. Uh, well, there you go. I guess that's Ask Us Anything. We we did it. We motored, motoring. We motored through this stuff. 80s butt rock. Uh, and please continue to ask us anything. We really appreciate all the questions. All right. Joining us tonight, as he does every week, and we we're so very lucky to have him uh, during the football season. This is Matt Fingus, Fingus on Football. Thank you so much for coming on again tonight, man. Always a pleasure, gentlemen. I'm uh, excited to be back again for another year, waiting for all those uh, Ask Anything questions. I'm excited. <laughs> well, actually, I okay, I have I have a question. We, we have one that we really need to ask you. Um, okay. But first, before we get to that, I want to uh, really get into Virginia Tech a little bit. Last season, Bud – or. Bud Foster, right? Bud Foster, am I yeah, saying that? I'm, Bud I'm, Foster. I'm like, yeah. yeah, my brain is my brain is in five different places at once. Bud Foster really seemed to clamp down the high state offense with the bare defense, kind of one-on-one matchups. Both teams have had a year to think about it, right? How do you expect Urban Meyer and company to try to counter something that you know Bud Foster and, and company are going to try to do? And what do you think they might do in response to guys like Braxton Miller being an age back and whatnot? Well, there's a lot of good questions in there, so I'll start off with um, kind of what would I do if I was Bud Foster and, and saw this great. coming. Um, great. First of all, I wouldn't go back to the same defense that I played last year against Ohio State because, um, you know, obviously Ohio State is going to be prepared for that coming in. Um, so if I'm Bud Foster and he's got a lot of tricks up his sleeve, uh, he's got an entire defense back, he's got two of the best corners, maybe actually the best corner tandem in the country, Uh I, I, I'm going to try to throw a new wrinkle again and, and see what I can do. I mean, uh, you know, Beamer and Bud Foster, they're, you know, you hear the term riverboat gamblers a lot. That's them. <laughs> I mean, they love that kind of stuff. And, you know, Beamer loves to play the special teams games and do all that kind of stuff. Bud Foster loves to roll the dice and come up with new things. So I expect to see something that we haven't seen again. You know, they've got the number one team in the nation, the first, you know, unanimous AP pick coming into town on a Monday night into their house. They're playing with house money. They won this game last year. Uh, no one's given them a chance to win this year. Everyone's expecting this to be a 70-point game. So if I'm Bud Foster, I'm, I'm going to – I'm sitting in my laboratory coming up all summer long with just something uh, something that, that Ohio State hasn't seen and that, that they aren't expecting to see. So I, that's how I would approach it. Now, approaching Braxton Miller at the H-back, I bring one of those corners in, um, and, and I play him on, on Braxton Miller in the slot. Uh, you got two really good corners. Uh, we know like they like to play man coverage. If you're going to play man, if you're going to play, uh, you know, even a, even if you're going to play zone, I move one of those good corners in on the slot. Just because, you know, we've got a lot of talent outside, but we don't have a lot of experience. Yeah, Michael Thomas is, I think, probably uh, has a chance to be a top five receiver in college football this year, no doubt. Um, but who's that other guy? You know, I mean, they're four-star guys. They're five-star guys. You know, Noah Brown goes down. Uh, you don't have Dontre Wilson or, or Jalen Marshall because Dontre would line up out in the number two spot sometime at the at the uh, Z. So, you know, I think that, that Bud Foster, uh, while you don't know, while Braxton Miller is kind of an anomaly, you don't know um, how good he is. Now, I've seen him in practice. Uh, he, he's just as, as electric as everyone remembers as far as an open field, and he's just as fast as everyone remembers. He catches the ball uh, a lot better than I expected him to coming out of uh, you know a, an injury season and never playing wide receiver before. But he doesn't run crisp routes, and that's to be expected. I mean, you know, he's been playing receiver for all of a you know a month and a half now, uh, so so that's that's going to come with time if he sticks with this, if he makes this his craft. But he doesn't run precise routes. Now, if you put him up against a linebacker or a safety or you know your your fourth string corner, 
he's fast enough where he doesn't have to run precise routes. But I would challenge Braxton Miller to to beat a number one corner, beat a number two corner. And so if I'm Bud Foster, I'm putting one of my best corners on Michael Thomas all the time. I'm putting my other best corner on, on Braxton Miller all the time and saying, okay, I know you have more weapons, but you're going to have to beat me with those guys because I'm not going to – I'm going to put my two best guys against your two best guys, and we'll see who what you guys can do on the other end of that. So I expect them to um, – to, to do something like that and then, uh, you know, try to stop, you know, roll some safeties down in the box, you know, take some chances with, with, you know, seven, eight guys in the box and try to stop the running game because uh, I think that's, that's going to be their only option uh, because uh, to be honest with you, the blitz game is, is it's going to be a totally different, different year. Uh, you know, when you come in and, and you hadn't seen that you had four new offensive linemen and you hadn't seen live blitzes yet as a group. I mean, you see him in practice, you see him in a scrimmage, it's not the same as, you know, right. a Saturday night uh, in the shoe against Virginia Tech, who blitzes ex- extremely well, and, and that was a big, big problem for our offensive line. They have gotten so much better, uh, you know, just through the course of the year last year. I mean, you know, how many times did we see in the games following Virginia Tech when you had Akron and, and all those other crap teams who had no business <laughs> blitzing us? But they were blitzing us because they saw Virginia Tech to it, and they made, you know, the college <laughs> right. football world made Ohio State prove that they could stop the blitz. And once they did, you know, you look towards the end of the season. Uh, you know, Michigan actually brought a, brought a lot of heat and uh, and actually got to JT a couple times, obviously with the uh, sack too that hurt him. But you know, you go into the uh, to the Alabama game, Alabama blitzed a couple times, and granted, they didn't have the the, the DBs to really match up with us as as it was evident, but they only brought six or seven blitzes and that's very unlike them and what they normally do. So I think it's a different story up front. I think those guys have had a great year of seasoning under their belt. Now they've had a good group of, uh, uh, I'm sorry, a good uh, uh, camp situation. And I think the offensive line is our deepest position on offense, you know, aside from the quarterback, but that's our that's our deepest and best position on offense is the offensive line. So there's a lot of competition going on there. And I think those guys have really gelled. And I don't think you're going to see the same thing uh, that you saw last year out of uh, out of Bud Foster and, and out of this defense. Matt, let me let me flip the field on you, buddy, and say, okay, you're Ohio State. How do you attack? How do you plan on breaking up that eight nine men in the box thing? And and you know Ed Warren or you 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 know Tom Herman and you know their personalities, how might we see uh, the game called differently? Well, I think you're going to see some some recognition. I think you're going to see a lot more hot reads, some quick passes. I think Nick Vanette is going to be uh, a factor in this game if they do try to, you know, match up the corners on, on, on our two best players. Uh, I think Nick Vanette is, has a chance to be a real mismatch inside and down the middle against either a linebacker or safety. And I think it's just uh, it's going to be – getting into a rhythm. We were never into a rhythm last year. So it's going to be play calling. It's going to be establishing the run and it's going to be quick passes to start off and, and taking advantage of what that defense gives you. So it's going to rely on, on I, like I said, I think it's going to be JT at the quarterback and it's going to rely on him to recognize what's coming at him and just get the ball out of his hands to the playmakers. Don't hold on to the ball. If you watch that game from last year, you know, man, he was a deer in headlights and I'm sure he would admit the same thing and probably did, but, you know, held onto the ball way, way, way too long. Uh, I expect him to just get quick reads, get the ball out in space, get it to our guys, you know, take that four or five yards and not look for the big play over the top on a, on a blitz. Now, as the game progresses and you feel more comfortable, then you can take your shot when you see zero coverage or one coverage and you got a good matchup on the outside. But I expect him just to really establish the run and hit some quick passes, hit Zeke out of the backfield, you know, use Curtis Samuel, use uh, Braxton Miller, you know, in that backfield motion to, to get them on the edge and get them the ball quick and let them get out in space and do their thing. Actually, it's interesting that you bring that up. Do you think Ezekiel Elliott might be used as much more of a pass catcher this year than he was last year? I think so. I mean, he has that ability. I think, obviously, the wrist injury uh, affected his ability to catch the ball a lot right. of times. You know, going to practice, they, they do split him out quite a bit now and when they go in the empty set. Um, you know, he's, he's a dangerous weapon, but, you know, I think that coaches, and especially these coaches, if you watch what they do, they utilize the player's talent and what they do best. And what Ezekiel Elliott does best is hits the hole and goes. 
do I want to waste a, a touch on swinging him out in the backfield and seeing if he can make a you know a, a safety miss on a one-on-one matchup, or do I want to run him you know on a on a zone play or a, or a tackle trap and just let him find that hole and go? For me, and I think Ed Warner thinks a lot like this, let's use our players to the best of their advantage. If you're going to get a guy out in the space, out in the flat, let's use Curtis Samuel, let's use Braxton Miller. Uh, you know, Ezekiel Elliott might split out every once in a while in the empty set. He's probably not going to get the ball. Just because, I mean, you've you got to play to your guy's strengths. Yes, I mean, if it's there, right. if, they're, if, they're, if they're off him by 15 yards and everyone else is, is playing some tight coverage, then you swing the ball out to him and let him do, it, do what he can. But, you know, I mean, Zeke is a – he's a power running back. Yeah, he can make some guys miss, but, but you know, he's not Braxton Miller in the open field. You know, he, I don't think he's Jalen Marshall in the open field. He's a, a put-his-foot-in-the-ground-and-go-go-forward kind of guy, and, and you don't want him to lose that. You don't want him to get out of that mindset by throwing him the ball and, and asking him to make four or five moves out in space. I want Ezekiel Elliott running downhill all day long and not messing with trying to make somebody miss. Okay, fair enough. That's uh, that's actually uh, really good stuff. Really good information. I, I'm I'm in gr- agreement with that. I just wonder how um, Ohio State will will come out and and protect the ball and be able to run it in a in, you know against a, a front that's designed to make them do anything but run the ball. I, what do you think about the, the the Kendall Fuller Mike Thomas thing? Do you think Ohio State will go ahead and say, all right, prove Kendall Fuller that you're better than Michael Thomas? Do you think they'll they'll test him? Yeah, I think they will. I think that, that, you know, I mean, they have to. If you're Virginia Tech, you know, that's that's the only way you're going to have a chance to be in this game is to take something away from Ohio State. And with the corners that they have, you got to try to take away two of their best guys. Now, it, you know, it's going to be on JT to, to be able to check out of those things and out of those times. You know, there's going to be times where you're not going to be able to run the ball and establish the run. But those are going to be the times that, that JT needs to recognize that and get the ball somewhere outside quick. And it may not be to Michael Thomas because he may be in press man coverage and, and you know, it's going to be hard for him to get off in that second and a half that, that he has to get rid of the ball. So that's that might be where you see – uh, you know, Zeke's trying to slip out of the backfield and just hit him the ball real quick and, and get that coverage. And, you know, when you have a blitzing team, and we didn't do this last year, you know, the 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 inventiveness of the screen and draw game, that really, you know, as a former defensive lineman, that gets in your head, that affects your pass rush a lot. And I know it does with linebackers and everything too, because those are their, you know, those, those running backs, are their responsibility in man coverage when they're coming in blitzes. So, um, you know, you can. there's things that, that Ohio State can do that we've seen them do before. Again, I think Nick Vanette can play a large, large role in that in, in hot passes over the middle, tight end screens, you know, some of those things that we've seen sparingly from, from Urban Meyer's offense in the past. I think that, that those can play a much bigger factor to get Virginia Tech out of that mode. Um. So I, I I think I think you're dead on on that. And I think it's it's really going to be interesting to see how this game plays out in general. What do you think is going to be the end result here? Like, do you think do you expect a big Ohio State win, or do you think it's going to be much closer? Uh, like Michael has kind of implied a little earlier. <laughs> no, I think it's going to be a better game than a lot of people are thinking. I think the fans are you know were, were jaded a little bit by that by that three game run. Um, that right. to, you know that to me is the anomaly. That's not the rule. That was catching lightning in a bottle. Uh, you know, you go back and, and the, you know they replayed the entire Ohio State season on I don't know one of the one of the sports team one of the I don't, it might have been on the Ocho I'm not sure but <laughs> you know that you watch the you know we're losing to Indiana in the third quarter right we're, you know we beat Michigan you know not we didn't blow Michigan out and that was a bad Michigan football team obviously yet their their head coach fired so you know those three games everyone looks at that Wisconsin Alabama Oregon run and says, okay, that team's going to show right back up on, on September 8th and, and be ready to roll, that may or may not be the case. We just don't know. And playing the odds, that's probably not going to be the case. And this, I think, is going to be a tough game. I know that, that the coaching staff is, is taking this one uh, really, really, really seriously, obviously, as they should, uh, because this is a Virginia Tech team that has, I think they've got 10 or 11 starters back on defense on a defense that, you know, really kept Ohio State in check last year. They got their quarterback back, tight end, running back, you know, I think three of the five offensive linemen. This was a young team and while they didn't have the record last year, they were a six and I think a six and seven team. You know, they're a young team with some good coaches and, and that's always a recipe uh for success in, in college football. So, you know, I 
I'm predicting, uh, you know, a two-touchdown Ohio State win. I don't think it's going to be, you know, hey, let's get our young guys in here in the in the third quarter and, and you know, just to have some fun because we're up by 40 points. I don't see that right. happening. I think this is going to be a much better game than people are thinking because a lot of people – uh, you know, just look at those last three games and say, okay, that's us. Well, you know, that was a great run. And that's, you know, as a player, you know, you have those games and to string three of them together is pretty special. But to be able to just pick up where you left off with the, you know, with the change in personnel, with, you know, JT or and Cardell coming back with Braxton Miller, you know, a lot of changing parts there. You, you, you're, you're out Bosa, you know, you're out uh, two playmakers, uh, and, and yeah, I mean, really, three playmakers that that are con- that can contribute on the offense uh, very easily. So this is not a, uh, a let's just roll our hats on the field and we're going to walk out with our number one ranking kind of game. Well, I really appreciate your insight and your analysis. I think that's that's all excellent. And I, you know, I'm really curious to see how this game plays out because this isn't a typical, you know cupcake first game like this is definitely going to test their metal really really quickly and i think that's really awesome i love that idea um matt we got one real quick question for uh, we got an ask us anything question i want to throw at you real quick fire it up um all right so here we go so what is your favorite road trip game uh i'm trying to read this what is your favorite road game trip food wise in the big 10 okay favorite road trip game food wise um yes it's one of my least favorite stadiums to go to, but, <laughs> yeah. with, but Wisconsin is – there's some good food in Madison, Wisconsin. And maybe it's just because I love greasy, fatty sausage and, and that kind of stuff and <laughs> cheese curds. But I would hope know, so. I would hope they would have that. Like I can just kind oh, of imagine do. like yeah. Camp Randall. That's yeah. defensive lineman like food right brats there. Brats and Mets. Yeah, Camp Randall is, is an absolute pit, and their fans are horrible. I mean, it's the only place <laughs> where we played where my dad almost got into a fight two years in, in, when we were played up there. And nice. he's a pretty laid-back guy. But <laughs> the food around there, if you go up the, the you know on the Friday night and, and, uh, and they're able to hang out there. And I actually uh, – one of my roommates when I was with the Jets – uh, was from Wisconsin, so we, I went back with him to a game, and so he kind of took me to some of the little uh, lesser-known places that had some you know, great food. But, yeah, for my money, uh, I, I think Wisconsin in the Big Ten is probably your best food bet. Awesome. Well, that's, that is some very good advice. And I'll, I'll, I, you know what? I've I got to make the road trip. I just I haven't gone to I, – I, the only away – like I've never even gone to a high state away game. I've only been to like other football stadiums, you know, just for their their own team. So no, um, you gotta I'll go to the road. You gotta you gotta. Support, I know. You gotta support like the team. I don't know why I've done that. You gotta I'm you gotta idiot. face paint. You gotta be putty. You gotta support the team. Get out there on the road. I mean, yeah, that's what you gotta do. The team needs you, buddy. I agree with that. I 100 percent agree with that. I'll have to get that done. Um, Matt Finkus, thank you so much for coming on tonight. That was that was great. Always a pleasure, guys. Look forward to it next week. All right, joining us tonight is a very special guest. We've got James Laurinaitis, former Ohio State star, um, now playing with the St. Louis Rams. How you doing, man? I'm doing well. It's good to be on. That, Thanks for having me. Yeah, well, it's, it's really good having you on, and uh, it's especially good having you on right before the season starts because there's a lot of stuff that I want to ask you and pick your brain about. Um, this, is a, this is obviously a really big season. They're coming off a national championship win. But one of the reasons why I'm really glad to have you on is because I, I really wanted to talk to you about uh, linebacking in general. And I think Ohio State is starting to get back to the level that they were uh, in terms of linebacking when you were there and, and some of your predecessors. And I guess the first thing that I want to ask you is what have been kind of your impressions of guys like Darren Lee and Rayquan McMillan and, and Joshua Perry um, over the past couple of years? Well, I think with those three is they, you know, they have a, a willingness to work hard. Um, I was talking to Luke Fickle about it. Um, you know, all three of those guys are, are pretty humble, and they're guys that really just want to um, get to work, and, and they want to be great. I think that's that's kind of where it all starts. You know, that's kind of the standard that was set when I showed up there with, with Anthony and Bobby and, and AJ. Um, I would like to think that we tried to continue it with, with Marcus and I and, Ross Holman and some guys, but um, somewhere along the line, the the, the whole I think defensive play, and I, and I think the whole silver bullets kind of go as the linebackers go. So uh, it's good to see them have actual core, you know, three whole guys that uh, that are all extremely talented in their own right. James, what's the hardest part in transitioning from 
you know, being a high school star linebacker to, to being, uh, being able to take the leap and, and start at the college level? Well, I tell you what, I, everything was such a blur when it happened for me. You know, I was only a three-star kid coming out, and, and um, quite frankly, I just I just wanted to do my job uh, day by day as a freshman. Just really, my I had I felt so much pressure to not screw it up whenever I went on the field. Um, and I think as the season went on, I actually, you know, Bobby unfortunately got hurt, and as I got my time uh, with the ones, you know, I looked around and I saw AJ, I saw Dante Whitner. Uh, I saw Quinn Pickcock, you know, Jay Richardson. I saw a lot of guys that were just extremely talented. And I was like, don't be that guy that messed it up. You know, you're the freshman <laughs> out here. The only other freshman out there was Malcolm. Uh, you know, we were recruited together. So have Jenkins out there. Uh, helped a little, but, you know, he had been starting and kind of off and on all year his freshman year. For me, you know, in that in that Fiesta Bowl, kind of in bowl practice, I'm just thinking, don't, don't screw it up. You know, do your job. You don't got to do too much. You don't have to make a ton of plays. Just don't, don't be the guy out of the gap, you know, when you're, when you're filling in, obviously, for an All-American and Bob. So, uh, you know, it, 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 uh, it happened so fast. It, it really, I was so focused on just executing what the defense wanted me to do that uh, next thing I knew, you know, you're, you're starting sophomore year and you're just going play by play and things happen to you. So, the biggest thing is just be prepared. That's why, that's why I try to tell Raekwon over the summer, you know, in the weight room, is just um, your God-given talent got you to Ohio State. Um, don't overthink it. Make sure you have all, all the defense down and then let your instincts take over. Because if you're thinking about what you're going to do defensively, you'll, uh, you'll be a couple steps behind. But if you already know exactly what you have, what your job is, whether you're supposed to box it or spill it or whether you're playing off of number three or whoever, you know, whatever the technique is, you're wondering about that. You look at what you let your instincts take over. You know what? I'm actually really glad that you brought up uh, the recruiting rankings and whatnot because Darren Lee, for example, was also a three-star. And one of the things I've always been kind of curious about, especially with regards to um, defensive players at Ohio State, I mean, you obviously had an amazing career. Uh, Darren Lee looks like he's starting to build one. Um What's that attitude when you when you're like maybe not a heralded recruit at a high school and you come into a place like Ohio State where you're like surrounded by guys who have been like hyped up forever? Like, what happens when you walk through that door? Is everybody just kind of like level? Like, do the coaches do it? You know, try to level that out, or do you see like you got to fight your way up the ladder? You know, the way I looked at it was I just I was so happy to to have an offer and be able to come to Ohio State. Being from Minnesota, I always felt that it was um, it was amazing how much the fan base knew about each and every recruit and, and being a kid from Ohio, those guys, I couldn't imagine the pressure those guys had um, to perform. I mean, Ohio State fans know every single thing about you as you're recruited. Um, even before my state, they knew everything. I was they knew everything. But for me, I, I literally just tried to take it day by day. I didn't, it wasn't like there's a huge chip on my shoulder. I looked at it as like, look, I have a great opportunity here. Uh, I have a great chance to, I can get out here and play you know, for Ohio State, and I can, I can hopefully get to the NFL and, and live my dream. Um, but I just took it year by year. I'm, I'm not one of those people that say, oh, man, I had a huge trip on my shoulder. I'm going to go out there and just wreck the world. I just tried to play within myself and, and, and uh, try to contribute. And what we talked about a lot was doing your 111. What's my one part I can do to help the defense? And I literally took it like that every year that I was there. You know, James, you mentioned uh, speaking to Raekwon over the summer. Uh, how much time do you get to spend at the Woody these days? You know, obviously during during the season it's it's not nearly as much, but h- how often do you get back there? And how much contact were you able to have with those guys? And, and did Urban reach out to you for that, or is that something you just did naturally? No, I just did naturally. I was just working out, and uh, those guys were already up there. Um and so he actually came and introduced himself to me. Uh, you know, in season, I'm not back at all. I'll be able to make it back to the Penn State game uh, and watch that one during our bye week. But, um, you know, I always let those guys know if they have any questions, they can call me. But I, I trust me, I get I get the way it is when you're there. Um, but when he came and introduced himself, I, you know, I was humbled the fact that he said he looked up to me and made me feel kind of old a little bit. But, um you know, he seemed like he was down to earth, and he just said, you know, I want to be like you someday. So, well, you would be better than me. I said, you've got, obviously, the athletic talent. But, you know, my my whole thing was once I started to play, I was like, man, I, I wanted to be like A.J. Hawk. And then 
in my head. Hmm. I was like, okay, try to do the things that AJ did or do things that AJ couldn't. Tried to challenge myself and be competitive. Um, but I respected the heck out of AJ. I still do. And um, I think it's kind of the same thing. I just, just said, you know, do things that I've never done before here and be special. Have you, I mean, one of the things that I also think is really interesting is kind of the evolution of kind of all football positions in general, but but also like really defensive positions just because it, it feels like with the evolution of schemes and how people want to try to defend the new offenses, it feels like they're looking for different types of players. And you're like, you're really the prototypical linebacker, right? Like you're like 6'2", big dude. Do you see like the, the defense, you know, like changing that much, especially with the kind of guys who are being recruited in college? Or is it still like going to require the, the guy who can really like plug up the middle and whatnot? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's unique, right? I mean, it's not just a, a 270-pound dude anymore that's going to, um, you know, play the run on first and second down. You hear all the time with NFL scouts that they want a guy to be a three-down linebacker. Well, that, right. disc- that, that discrepancy, and well, I always think that linebacker, everyone talks about corner, is by far the toughest position. I mean, yeah, it is, it's a definitely a tough position. I'm not taking anything away from him. But when you play a linebacker, you got to be able to um, – you know, when we call fire zones, a lot of time when you call fire zone, you know, blitz, you, you're supposed to drop as a Mike linebacker off three. Well, if I go to three, and then number three happens to be Braxton Miller, I mean, there's a, <laughs> there's a challenge there. You know what I mean? Okay. Um, and then the NFL, a lot of times you can um, – that guy could be, you know, in Seattle, the heck, it was Percy Harvin. He could be in the next thing you know, you got to fill the hole on Marshawn Lynch. So you have to be very kind of diverse in your skill set um, because – no matter what the athletic kind of separation there is between you, especially at, at my level now, they don't, they don't care. They just want you to get it done. They don't want to hear any excuse. They don't want to hear like, hey, you got me on a wide out, this or that. It's just right. you get the job done or not. And I think guys like Darren Lee, who even though you look at it, when you run into him on the street, you might think, goodness, you know, he's not necessarily massive. Um, Joshua Perry is, and Raekwon's big. But, I mean, you look at him and you're like, this guy prototypically – isn't what you left me as a linebacker when back in the 90s and 80s. But you watch him play, and you watch him play, he made in the national championship where he just oh, threw yeah. the tight out from, I guess, Oregon down and went and made the tackle. That's a linebacker. you got to be able to play in space now, and you got to be able to play in the box. It's just – it's changed a little bit. You know, James, I, I, I kind of want to ask this of – I ask this a lot of former players of, you know, going back to last year and seeing the national championship uh, run that Ohio State had, how – how does that make you feel as as a former Buckeye watching that and experiencing that and, and seeing the growth of these young kids and, and watching them reach that, that uh, stage? Well, it was awesome. It was awesome. You know, part of you, um, part of you wishes that you would have been able to experience it because you know how big that is in, in Ohio state, you know, what, what that is to the program, what that is to the, the city of Columbus and the whole, the whole state um, and all Buckeye nation. I mean, you're judged there by the, what we say, the black and white photos on the wall. And so um, super proud of them. And, and everyone on that team is going to be able to have a memory and a reunion of what they accomplished. Um, personally, I was more excited for Luke Fickle just because of, of the heat he was taking years prior and to see him get that defense kind of turned around and, and get them back to where it's you know, called Silver Bullet defense again. Uh, was awesome because I heck I, I played for Luke. I know what, how great of a coach he is. Um, one of the best coaches still to this day that I've played for. So I have a ton of respect for Luke. Um, so I, I, you know, on a couple of different levels, it was awesome to see that and, and being able to be there was was amazing. So it was, it was good all around. Actually, you know, what, let's let's talk about Luke Fickle a little bit. I, I I do think that he is definitely like one of the more underrated coaches on the team simply because of. Uh, his experience head coaching. What what makes him such a good uh, positional coach, and what made him such a good coach while you were there? His attention to detail, um, unlike I've ever experienced. He knew what every single position was doing on the field, why we were doing it. Um, I could be. I mean, I can be a bit of a smart aleck. Um, <laughs> I'm, just, I'm smart myself, and and especially when you play, and the older you play, and the older you get, you think you know it all. But Luke was a guy that. When you had a linebacker test the night before a game, you had to know every little detail. It wasn't just, hey, what's Wisconsin's main runs, you know, where those cupcakes. You know, it wasn't a field good test. It was, hey, if we have a defense and then there's one check 
that could get us in a bad situation. What is that? You know, he really made you focus the um, game plan and held you accountable. And and as a player, it made you way better, way better than if you just uh, you just kind of spoon fed you things. So Luke always tried to hold you accountable, and he always made sure that he was getting the best out of you. I mean, there would be times Marcus and I, Marcus Freeman and I, still joke about it now, where there were times where literally after practice we just did not like Luke very much, just couldn't stand him. <laughs> But we also knew, looking back now, we knew how much that we appreciated it because he obviously cared about us. He obviously wanted us to get the most of our potential, and he did it. He got the most out of us. And so he's one of those guys where it wasn't easy playing for him all the time because he expected a lot out of you. But looking back, I know that I'm a way better football player, even today, because of the stuff that, that he taught me, the technique things that we did, and, and his level of expectations for me, the plays that he expected me to make. Um really helped drop, you know, keep me driven as I, as I stayed my senior year, as I, uh, you know, played throughout my career there. He really, you know, held me to a high standard, he held us all to that standard. James, what do you think, um, you know, what do you see happening in 2015 with this Buckeye team? Obviously they're ranked number one going into the season, but it's very, very difficult to, uh, you know, to go undefeated or to repeat as a champion. It's a very rare thing. Uh, you know, how do you see this season sort of unfolding? Yeah, I mean, uh, it's going to be tough. You know, it's always going to be tough to bring people. One thing that Urban Meyer does extremely well, and, and I think I've uh, I've been on the wrong end of this, uh, is that he knows how to motivate a football team. And I think a lot of the time it's manufactured. It's not necessarily, um, you know, playing against some of the guys that beat us that run the floor team. You know, he said that a lot of those guys said that, man, he had a so excited to play. You know, he had all these – Coach or whatever about you guys talking trash about us in the SEC. I'm like, there's no way. We were a trestle-coached football team. <laughs> he wouldn't have said anything bad in the media, but he knows how to conjure up that um, it's us against the world mentality. I think you saw that last year. It's exactly what he did. Um, they look like everyone doesn't respect Ohio State. They don't respect us, blah, 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 all this, but it worked. Um, and I think you saw them, them going to run. I think how, how, do they, how do they duplicate that um, – that kind of camaraderie that they had, the whole rallying cry. Uh, they have the bullseye on them. But Urban's a master at that. If, if anyone can do it, it's him. You saw him get back, you know, with Florida. I think he's, you know, that guy that can really conjure up, whether no matter who it is. Obviously, week one, they'll have a huge, huge uh, motivation. But, heck, they could be playing, you know, whoever. When they play Hawaii, you know, make something up about how they disrespect us and blah, 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 and all that. Um, <laughs> that's what he does. He's good at it. He's good at getting the most out of his guys and kind of the whole mental part of it. And uh, and they'll be right. I think, you know, unfortunately now the expectations are going to be national championship or, or bust. And I think that's that's what you expect. And that's why, quite frankly, why you go to Ohio State. Well, James, I got to tell you something. Thank you so much for coming on. That was incredibly informative. That was a really great interview, and we really appreciate uh, having you on. Yeah, anytime, guys. Thanks again to James Laurinaitis. Holy crap, James Laurinaitis. Little I, animal, man. man. Yeah, I'm I'm really glad we were able to get him on, and he was bro- like I, you know, we had some I had some difficulty like setting it up on my end just through some tech stuff, and he was super cool about it. And just, you know, a great interview. So I'm really glad that we got to have him on. Matt Finkus obviously was great as well. And you guys were great. You guys are great in asking us all these amazing questions. I'm sorry we kind of rushed through them. But uh, just keep sending them in because we're going to keep answering them. And that was that was pretty pretty kick-ass. So, Michael, we've, we've discussed Virginia Tech. We've discussed the offense, the defense. We've been talking about the quarterback thing all freaking summer. Oh, yeah. Um, I want to ask you a little bit more of a frivolous question. Now, now that it seems like, the operative phrase here being seems like, but now that it seems like JT Barrett might end up being the quarterback here, um, I feel like Cardell Jones might have a little bit more free time on his hands. So my question to you is this. Um, what game should Cardell Jones go to the Children's Hospital and beat the crap out of a kid in next? Hmm. That's a great question. In his spare time. And while I'm thinking about the question, I just want to say that James Laurinaitis is one of my favorite Buckeyes of all time, so I'm really geeked. That yeah, we had no it. joke. Really, really no excited. Joke. 
I don't know how we keep spoiling our listeners like this, but <laughs> I don't know that they deserve <laughs> this level of guest. Uh, actually, they do. Yes, they, they do. They definitely deserve to put up to put up with like forty <laughs> minutes of our rambling to just yeah. listen to like fifteen minutes of like some quality guests. I think they one hundred percent deserve. Yes, it. you you, uh, so. you you do deserve it. Give yourselves a hand. I right. think that I would personally. I would love to see Cardale Jones take on Chinese checkers. I would like, I would like to see Cardale Jones. Not a video game, but I'll tell you. I know. I mean, you just said a game, and I don't know. I, I'm, all right. I'm not up on all the latest video games because I don't I don't actually do video games because my well, okay. I have an it's I have an addictive personality, so I would lose my job and probably waste weight, <laughs> and nothing, and my family would leave me. Um, yeah. If I played video games, because I could see myself getting immersed in like FIFA or something like that. But, that's fair. That's fair. Uh, but yeah, I would love to see Cardale Jones and his whole thought process behind his strategy behind Chinese checkers. I bet he's got a really interesting strategy when it comes to that. I, I bet he's a very lateral thinking type guy when it comes to that. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I bet he might be secretly really good at that. I want to see him dominate someone. Uh, if we're going to talk about video games, I want to see like Wii Sports. Like anything that involves motion controls, basically. Like some kind of connect thing. I want to see this like six foot five, two hundred fifty pound guy just like flailing around and just like you know I don't know some dance. How about Dance Dance Revolution? That's what he should do. I want to see him <laughs> dominate in DDR and just like blow fools out of the building by doing. It. I think that'd be pretty sweet. So hopefully Cardell can get on that and he's got to increase his repertoire. Um, <laughs> French word. Yes. Um, anyway. <laughs> um, so that's Dubcast. We had, I think we had a good time. I think it was a good Dubcast. I'm, I'm, I'm pretty happy with it. Top ten. We will be. That's right. We will be back next Tuesday, immediately after the Virginia Tech game, uh, to discuss the aftermath. And, and it's, it's going to be online Donkey Kong. I'm really excited about it. So until then, I am John Aginner. I am Michael Citro. And we'll see you next week. Get dumped then, Virginia Tech. Drunk, get dumped. <laughs> <laughs>